0: Hi everyone, welcome back for another EGEO's MRCI podcast. Today I have a co-host, Autumn Hagsma. She is a research geologist at Battelle, and today we will be interviewing Dr. Stephen Whitaker, who is the Director of Energy and Minerals at the Illinois State Geologic Survey that is connected to the University of Illinois. So thank you both so much for being here. How are you doing today, Autumn?
1: I'm doing well, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you as a co-host and I'm really excited for uh, this new format that we're launching. So Steve, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your time and glad that you were able to make it and have a conversation with us about your role. Well,
2: it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, Steve, to start off, could you please give us an introduction about yourself? So perhaps uh, walk us through your career background, roles that you've had, um, even like your schooling, what you went to school for, and then also any goals or passions that you have uh, going forward in your career. Well,
2: sure, um, I guess. Starting to get to that age where things are—I've had a lot of a lot of history behind me at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: I am a geologist. Uh, I went to the University of Saskatchewan in Canada cool. and uh, took geology there. And um, I wasn't initially going to go into geology. I was not entirely sure what I would do, but I took uh, an introductory geology class, and I knew right away that that was what I wanted to do. You know, it's such an interesting field. It explains so many things about, you know, how the planets formed and why we have mountains and volcanoes and all that. And, you know, it was something I hadn't really taken too much about earlier. So I really, really enjoy geology Um, and and, and continued on and did some graduate work there. I I, I did my graduate work also at the University of Saskatchewan. Um, And uh, I did have to spend a little time at the in Indiana University to, to as an exchange, um, program where I, I studied some organic geochemistry there, but mainly my, my, um, graduate work was around isotope geochemistry, predominantly low temperature work. I was really in a, within a group of students and most of the activities there were based on high temperature um, systems, a lot of metamorphic igneous and or ore type, uh, work. So it's kind of a a bit uh, you know the start at least was kind of the odd man out in terms of um, my my area, but eventually there's a lot more students that came in and we started to study these ses- sedimentary systems with geochemistry. So I kind of um, set my career and i and I went on and was able to do a postdoc at Queen's University mm-hmm. in uh, in Kingston, Ontario um uh re- well very renowned uh carbonate geologist noel james oh, cool. which uh really got me interested more in carbonates because my my phd was you know in plastics mm-hmm. and so that was a great background and then i moved over to mcgill university in montreal and worked with another uh well-known scientist in canada eric Mountjoy, who was quite a quite a mapper and a, a real icon of canadian geology <clears throat> I worked mainly on dolomitization a lot of subsurface um, work in alberta in, in the western canadian sedimentary basin in, in alberta particularly about sort of how the reservoirs form there so um i spent a lot of time in isotope labs um and at some point in my career i found myself at two in the morning in front of a mass spectrometer and I kind of thought you know <laughs> geology was one thing that really I appreciated was the outdoors and trying to do things so I, I started to look around and I and I um, and I wanted to move back out west because that's where I was from in Canada and my uh, my now wife was living there so I went back there and we and I started to work as well site geologist and it was complete a complete change yeah. so you know it was so immediate that happened you were on a well site you had to make decisions uh, core point you know trying to figure out where you are in this, this stratigraphic section and um you know did a lot of horizontal drilling and trying to steer the well into there so it was just completely around about phase from doing research which can take a long time mm-hmm. and here you are in this very rapid face paced environment really when you're on a well a lot of mm-hmm. decisions that have to be made so that was it was really really fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly enjoyed the paychecks compared to what when I was at uh, <laughs> in research. But um, well, I just serendipitously I was uh, made aware of a uh, of an opportunity to work at the Saskatchewan Geological Survey on a carbon storage project. Mm. And it was the um, it was a oil it was an enhanced oil repu- recovery project known as the Weyburn at the Weyburn oil field. And it was uh, a fun thing at the time in the early. Um, 2000s, it was the IEA Waiver and Midel CO2 monitoring and storage project. And so I started out in that and I was sort of the um, the lead of the task of the geoscience characterization. And we were really, you know, it was one of the, among the first projects really looking at um, uh, where, where field work was involved and actual data was being generated in for, sto- for carbon storage. And certainly was associated with enhanced oil recovery, but that the project was really layered on the oil field activities itself, which were directed for Mm -hmm. obviously to increase oil recovery, but we were looking at the aspects of storage and how you would convert an oil field into a storage site. And I eventually stayed there for quite a while in that project. And then I became the overall project manager leader at some point and, uh, really quite enjoyed it all. Um, but I got an opportunity to move to Australia Mm -hmm. and, um, and I thought, well, that sounds pretty interesting. So I took, took advantage of that and went to Australia to work with the Global CCS Institute for a couple of years, cool. which is really quite different again. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly the, when I was working um, with the Petroleum Technology Research Center in Saskatchewan, eventually, who managed that Weyburn project, you know, it was an exposure to a whole bunch of technical specialties, geomechanics, which you know previously I really had little experience with, a lot of reservoir simulation. Um, moving to the global CCS Institute, I mean, I, I brought all that experience, but a lot more policy and, and, yeah. um, and sort of stakeholder engagement was, mm-hmm. was part of that. So it was quite different. I also, uh, I kind of missed working on a project. And so I moved over to CSIRO, CSIRO, which is the, um, sort of the national science organization of Australia and, mm-hmm. and worked on, um, carbon storage projects there with, a, with quite a, Interesting char- group of characters, really great scientists there, and, and had a very time time um, working there. So I was, I was basically in Australia for about five years and then had the opportunity kind of to move back to North America. We were far away from home mm-hmm. and the opportunity to come to Illinois representatives. And, uh, of course, Illinois is well known for the Illinois Basin Decatur Project, which was very active at that time and, and kind of still... Um, you know, lots of stuff going on. And at the time, Sally Greenberg, my colleague, was the was leading that the principal investigator there. So I found myself here in Illinois and have been working here ever since and really has had a it's been great. Uh, we've had a lot of success in getting some DOE funding to do projects. We've drilled wells, got seismic data we're actually collecting seismic today mm-hmm. um well tests uh next week hopefully so you know it's 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 fun it's a lot of things going on but um as we're probably all of us in this field or experience right now it's it's like drinking from a fire hose there's just so <laughs> yeah. much going on right
0: now yeah so
2: that's kind of where that's that's my career and i hope i didn't ramble on too much with that but uh,
0: no that's
2: that's really how i ended up here
0: that's that's amazing. Thank you so much for walking us through that. I, I really appreciate that. I like how diverse and robust um, your experience has been. It sounds amazing. Uh, going forward, do you have any goals or passions uh, left? <laughs> Seems like you've tackled a lot of them.
2: <laughs> oh, I just want to make it to retirement. How about that? Yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I think my goals right now are to really to see these, some of these projects come to fruition. I'd like to see, um, you know, the, the work that has been done by so many organizations, uh, you know, like Autumn's, Autumn's, Patel's group, everybody in this area has been working on these. And to see, see the sort of the, the, the CCS development into somewhat of a commercial activity, is really rewarding but to see start to see carbon dioxide being stored and seeing this technique actually making a difference to uh greenhouse gas emissions would really be kind of a a really a nice thing for all of us i think to see so that would be something that would really um make me make me happy to see and be glad that i've spent so much of my life working in this area so Mm -hmm. i think that's really really my goal i guess um but it really is one of the goal uh, for me personally, is is to continue to be able to work in this field and, um, you know, get experience doing other things perhaps as well. You know, there's lots to do in this area. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, just continue to work and, and do some work in geology and uh, hopefully get outside a little bit more. I yeah.
0: That. Yeah.
1: Oh, I hear you on that. Yes. Thank you. I know you mentioned uh, the Decatur Projects there for a minute. Um, And, and given, I saw the hype right now for carbon safe and and all the upcoming funding for future carbon safe programs, can you tell us a bit about the carbon safe projects in the L Basin?
2: Sure, absolutely. Um, So the carbon safe program is a DOE funded program and it's been laid out in stages. And so phase one was really uh, kind of a screening activity, looking at a regional area, and really kind of built on a lot of the work that was done by the regional partnerships um, that were present, and I'm familiar with that. The DOE funded these regional partnerships, which were seven partnerships initially that did a lot of work um, to map out potential storage strata, look for sources, and so that was a great program run by the DOE. Really super. Um, you know, just as an aside, I I was able to serve as sort of a, a technical reviewer of that. I was not American, so I could come in and give feedback. I think most people are active in the program. All the Americans were active in that, so they didn't have Americans to to kind of do a technical review. But just to see it, it was just amazing. So all of that built into this carbon safe program. And so the phase one, we were able to get one and my colleague, Dr. Hannes O'Toro here at the Geological Survey managed that project. that sort of, we called it the East Basin in Illinois. And, uh, at the same time, we also, they were also, uh, phase two. proposals. So the phase two carbon safe had a lot more funding. It was targeting a specific site. You sort of had a few sources in mind that would be able to bring carbon dioxide to a location and we were able to drill wells, uh, conduct seismic and so uh, we were fortunate here we we had one was called carbon safe macon county it's called macon county but all Christian county and that's been an ongoing continues to be an ongoing uh you know, have to explain it but we basically identified a well in make a place in macon county but then the location into the neighboring county which was christian county um but we really drilled into the mount simon there in Mount Simon uh, storage formation, which is uh, well known here in the Midwest, in particular in the Illinois basin, and found some excellent reservoir up there and uh, filled that project. And uh, while well, we're halfway along the, in that project, there was another call for proposals. Um, we've been in, put in another um, application and are successful to get one, the Wabash Carbon Safe, which was just over the border into Indiana, just north of Terre Haute, associated with an um, ammonia production facility. And we drilled a well there that was um, quite deep into the test of the Mount Simon and also other zones, including the, the Knox group, which are a series of carbonates. And so those two carbon safes have really, um, we were able to get a lot of information from them. We got a lot of seismic data and it, helped us understand the broader extent of some of these formations within the basin, and I think is really um, those works can be leveraged quite successfully, I think, to further develop projects. Um, those projects both ended at the end of April, and we are still now in the midst of a carbon phase three project. Uh, it's called the Illinois Storage Corridor. And so in the phase three projects, there's still the opportunity to drill well and do a lot of characterization work using seismic and so on. But the deliverables there are class six permits. Um, class six permits are the requirements that you need here in the United States, at least to, uh, be able to inject carbon dioxide into the ground storage. And so those permits are the, really the deliverables, as I mentioned. And to get all to get all the information, we've drilled some characterization wells at two sites in this project. One is associated with the ethanol plant; uh, the other is associated with the coal-fired power plant. The, um, and so there are two different areas. They are different geological settings. We're looking at different storage formations, and um, so that work is is ongoing. And it's, it's been really fascinating. The sites are so different. There's so much work to do, and putting these permits together is, is not for faint-hearted, um, but it's really been helpful, and I think we're going to come up with some nice workflows. And, um, and so that, that is activity that we're ongoing. As I mentioned earlier on, we're shooting seismic today. Um, we've conducted a huge 3D seismic previously using a nodal system, which is kind of unique. Uh, the data set there was over 40 terabytes and long under process. So I'm anxious to see the results of that 3d, but anyway, it's really been exciting. We get to work with a lot of excellent people, a lot of good partners, research partners and the site hosts as all. So, you know, bringing and educating the, the site hosts along has been quite informative because quite often you're dealing with somebody who runs managed plant or coal fired power plant, they they don't deal with the subsurface, and so one of the larger educational uh, barriers and acceptance barriers that we all find, certainly as earth scientists, is that you know most people don't really—it's a mystery what goes on down in the subsurface, and you know at some point we use development of a certain amount of understanding and confidence of what we know, but it's such a mystery to other people that that can sometimes be a challenge in the communication. But, but effectively that's uh, that's kind of what the carbon safe illinois projects have been um, and, and there. so we've been doing them now for probably around six years and as you mentioned autumn there's there's certainly more opportunity for carbon safe proposals in the future i think to some degree doe is looking to spread you know spread it around the country a little bit more and try a few other um, types of storage opportunities and sources but and we're still confident that there's going to be more opportunities for us here in the illinois basin as well
1: yeah that's all good sure. um you know one of the things that i love about the carbon safe program is that it's really pushing to move towards that commerciality uh you know, those those different phases you mentioned, the phase one, phase two, phase three, that goes out to what four and five. Uh, and that's just really helps you progress from, you know, a, a, kind of a, a pre feasibility to a full scale deployment of uh, CCS at a commercial scale. Um, so, al-
2: along those lines, it, you have to have, I think, the right type of
1: team to make a a project like that successful. So can you tell us about what you think the right type of team and partnerships are needed to create a successful program?
2: Well, sure. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to approach it. But but pretty clearly you need um, you need some subsurface expertise in the mix. Um, So you do need uh, it's like an asset team you might find in an oil and gas company but you do you need a different you do need some different skill sets or a different way of looking at things compared to strictly oil and gas um, and you also need it's certainly as these phases mature you need a, a site host you need a, um, a source of co2 and you need to get access to land so you need that is a key part of the team and because you're going to be able to, you need to be able to work with someone and explain to them, what you need to do to be able to, they have to facilitate access to land and um and help you out in those regards in certainly within the carbon safe program so you know there's a variety of ways to do it quite quite a quite a few of the carbon safe program teams are led by organizations like the illinois state geological survey or orbitel both the researchy group that have um Sort of the ability to undertake these sort of larger scale projects. But effectively, what we have are a series of geologists, geophysicists, and reservoir engineers that um, can all work together. You'll need someone with some geomechanical expertise um, who can kind of work together and uh, exchange information and understand really what the, the, the ultimate aims are. Because we all get kind of as researchers, certainly. Not everybody is listening as a researcher, but as researchers, we often get very focused on our particular um, area of interest. So, you need to have someone who could kind of steer the ship to some degree and have a bit of oversight on the, the ultimate needs and goals of this. And certainly, having some idea of what's required in the class six permitting is pretty helpful for designing the program, designing your data acquisition efforts. Uh, so uh and, you know determining what type of core you need what are the logs do we need to get seismic how much seismic is it 2d with 3db would three 3D be, 3D be required here or are we better off with 2d and so you know all those kind of components of the subsurface team but you also need to have some people with surface instructor experience um in in the mix and um and also having people with skilled with some stakeholder engagement is pretty important because you know the thing about these ccs projects they're so as they, they become more more mature there's just so many um tentacles to them it's not just about geology it's about um getting access to ports it's a, getting you know if there's a pipeline involved there's all sorts of issues with that you need to have a a site host it's going to be people who can talk to the public and then so is projects uh, become more and more close to commerciality so you know it depends where you are in the carbon safe program that skill set but you do need a team that is is a team and uh, the partnerships it's it's clear that you've kind of at least for us we need to reach out to other other organizations Um, certainly we've partnered with in some occasions, uh, the, we work with Indiana Geological Survey, other universities, but also consultancies and uh, commercial entities. And some of our technical projects are now large, mostly international oil and gas companies that are interested. And so the breadth of technical expertise that you can reach out to is really key. So um, I think those are some of the things that you really need to look for to develop a team to, to really go after these CCS projects.
1: Great. Thank you. Um, you mentioned a couple of challenges or barriers already with, you know, the, the uncertainty in the subsurface and, and some communication, but what do you think is the greatest challenge or, or challenges really that are, that's facing CCS to deploy it on a larger
2: scale? Well, you know, I think it's hard to pinpoint specific challenge the one thing about CCS is there uh, it's very specific. Um, and that's the one thing that's interesting is that, you know, you can kind of put on a capture unit, sort of bolt them on. I, you know, I, I don't mean to dismiss the, the difficulty, all of that, the complexity of capturing, but that can be done anywhere on any, on any plant that really you have to be able to store in certain areas. And so where that, where that is going to be taking place. um, really dictates a lot of the challenges. So what we're seeing right now, I believe, is the development of, of, of for commercialities, development of hub, larger scale storage of carbon dioxide. If we, if we look back to the earlier projects, there was a single well and they're injecting maybe a million tons a year or so. Um, I think what we're going to see is multiple injection wells, and a lot more. So the challenge is, is going to be how do you how do you develop those sites safely? Um, how, do you, how do you ensure that uh, the pressure is being managed and we're not going to cause any undue uh, issues? And, and I think that is the question that we're faced with by public. And so, you know, one of the biggest challenges is to assure the public that these things are being And um, um, there's a very rigorous uh, process that is involved to, get them approved, but also to develop them and get the technical understanding correctly and understand all the uncertainties with that. So that's kind of site specific to a large degree. Um, so those challenges from a subsurface point of view are, are you know, you know, there's just technical issues under getting information, understanding, um, aspects of, you know, structure, faults, faults that are sub understanding the nature of the seal. And how the co2 will behave in the long term those are kind of technical challenges but probably some of the bigger challenges to ccs are public perception um certainly as i was mentioning the, this capture can go in many places but if we're looking at these hubs people are wanting to bring co2 from all over the from around the continent to locations where storage is suitable and you need pipelines and uh you know pipelines are an issue with everybody it seems and so getting getting the pipeline approval and being able to develop pipelines is, without question a big challenge and um and there's certainly a challenge for people's perception about ccs as a mechanism to um to continue to produce fossil fuels and um and that they don't like the aspect of ccs because of that and really have you know, we need to be able to educate people better on what is involved in CCS and its role in mitigating greenhouse gas emissions. And certainly it can help with reducing emissions from coal-fired power plants, uh, its aspects of enhanced oil recovery, but it also addresses a lot of other um, issues like plants or other facilities, alternative sources such as Alternative Energies Plus, You know, um, we're seeing now in in the current, you know, things happening around the world where the the, the role of fossil fuels, it's it's still, it would seem to be an important source of energy for many, for most of us, and being able to still manage to uh, help our transition in that space and reduce greenhouse gas emissions at the same time is still a very important, very important activity. So, you know, the challenges are really educating the public getting people to understand this. And perhaps what we need, you know, once maybe we have a large project or three or four in operation, it will become more understood, maybe more easily acceptable. But, so I think the challenges are are still, you know, are, are both technical, but still out there in terms of public acceptance. And depending where you are, there's certainly legal challenges, you know, getting <laughs> course-based access and uh, all all of those things so you know it's hard to pinpoint a specific you know a specific challenge but there certainly are still a lot of you know significant challenges out there i don't know you know maybe i am gonna make Adam, maybe you have a few a few of those that you might want to add to but there's certainly there but i think we can i think we can take them on oh
1: i i agree and, and you know linking back to uh, a previous question of the right team. I think that having the right team, the right partnership, will really help tackle those challenges. Um, and I know a lot of those challenges, like you said, are around that public acceptance. Um, are, what type of things are you guys doing for the carbon safe project for uh, public outreach and stakeholder engagement?
2: Well, at the moment, we uh, you know we the most kind of public things we do are giving some technical presentations to some of the local landowners in the area. We, because of the um, nature of the projects, there's, uh, the, it's really the commercial entity that, uh, the host that is kind of to a large degree in, in kind of moderating the, the technical, the public outreach for some of these. There are certainly commercial sensitivities about some aspects of the projects but, um, but there's no secret about it. And um, you know, if people have questions about it, our role is to provide a, as what we can best a factual understanding of the technical side of things. But I think what we'll see, at least in our current phase of projects, I think that the stakeholder engagement will become more pronounced uh, in the coming years or so as, as you know, the projects become more, the feasibility is more established, the permitting is underway. And, um, and before, before anything is permitted, there has to be a, a public consultation and an outreach program. So that's kind of where it's at at the moment. Mm-hmm. There was, um, there was probably more stakeholder engagement in some of the other research activities, you know, some of the regional partnership activities, and um, and uh, really probably had a higher degree of uh, public outreach in the current carbon initiatives probably have a also are, are like that so i think the carbon programs, program because they're more of a commercially focused have had less of that uh sort of um more I don't, I don't know how to say proactive stakeholder engagement we're trying to talk about ccs about their specific projects but you know in general we we certainly like to as a as, at least here with we are within a research organization educational institute we certainly um, give talks and talk about our projects into to certainly technical audiences and anybody else who is willing to listen, pretty much. You know, so we certainly have given many presentations to um, local community groups who are interested.
1: That's great, and um, and so you you and your team have done just such incredible work with these you know different carbon safe programs in the Illinois Basin. Uh, what types of lessons have learned along the way for these types of projects that you could share with us?
2: Well, I think the one, one of the overriding lessons is if you have the opportunity to collect data and by that, I guess, I mean, a drilling a well. Or seismic, make sure you get as much as you possibly can when you're doing it. Because, um, you really sometimes have one chance to do it and and to to a large degree um you just don't want to throw the kitchen sink at things so to speak and uh, but you should have a pretty good idea of what is going to be required for whatever your objectives of your project are and so if you're just trying to establish the feasibility you need to for a reservoir make sure you collect information about the seal the two mechanical strengths um understand the fluid compositions so collect as much information as you can on all of those things um sometimes there's always a budget aspect to to that so whatever your budget will allow collect as much data as you can when you can and i think that's um it's not a hard lesson we've ever learned but it's just it's something we're always aware of and so i think it's it's important to do that
1: Um,
2: these projects are again there's so many moving parts to them as they get more mature um make, having a having a pretty robust project management um uh, oversight is, is key uh so keeping things on track it's pretty easy to have um you know these projects if you're anytime you're doing anything in the field there's delays there's, um, issues cost overruns and trying to keep a handle on all that and people are waiting for data uh to to progress on one, their particular phase and there's a handoff of their information to the modelers for example and they have to do something and feed it back. So maintaining um a, a pretty good line of sight on what needs to be done and um in the multi multiple different sources of that information and the multi different you know sinks for that information are, are key to keep in mind. Um, I think to be honest, those are those are some of the bigger lessons. Um, And actually just making sure you have good communication within the group. That's an easy thing to let slip. Um, And so in some of our projects we have lots of, uh, we have sub-awardees as they're termed. People are working on things and it's pretty easy sometimes for um, the core project to try to forget, kind of forget to to exchange information or keep people updated on activities. um it's really you know it's about communication which is the big thing and which is also project management so i think those are some of the bigger lessons that
1: sounds like a, a balance of of technical and and the non-technical
2: work yeah yeah you know and i guess you were you, you were asking me earlier about stakeholder engagement and people you know that thing is um is the community and the engagement aspect of it all certainly people are interested to what what's going on and and as you move along in these making sure that you're transparent with with public and um letting people know what's going on is is key nobody wants to find out um that there's a well-being in their backyard after it's after it's there that's for sure Well, i have one
1: final question for you Mm -hmm. Given your diverse background and experience in CCS so far, do you have any advice for people that are trying to get into CCS or specific skills that would be good for people to develop to get into the CCS field?
2: Sure. I mean, you know, uh, the the, the CCS industry is, I'll still say it's a amazing is still kind of coming along, even though it's been around for 20 years, but we are seeing such a rocket <laughs> of activity recently over the past few years that those opportunities to get into CCS are certainly becoming more and more um, available. And we're seeing a lot of people coming with skills from the oil and gas industry into this into this field. And, and so really that skill set is um, very helpful. So Geology, you know, you have to have a good basis in geology, and I would say, the more quantity you can be, the more adept you are at modeling, um, and uh, is 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 great. The skill sets for reservoir engineering is huge, and geomechanics is also a big thing. So there's a there's a range of skills that are needed in the CCS field, and it really does span across all the subsurface elements. But really, having um having a the ability to look at the rocks, understanding them from a reservoir and a seal point of view. So that, that kind of skill set, both ability to look at core and describe it, but also to model, it, I think is key. And so a lot of what we're doing now is seeing, um, seeing a lot of emphasis on the, the very quantitative side of, of describing these and understanding how pressure, pressure works and having the ability also, if your skill set, to be able to understand a lot of what's going on I have some ability to understand reservoir modeling, and be able to be able to speak the languages is is a, is a key, really a key thing to to get to know. But getting your foot in the door, uh, you know, there's is I mean, there's places like like Battelle or the Illinois State Geological Survey that are certainly um, places that are doing this kind of work. Uh, the oil and gas industry is migrating. Come rapidly into this field mm-hmm. so i guess those opportunities are, are becoming becoming more more apparent and um and so you know it's a real range of skill sets that's required including you know people who are interested in putting these projects together so project managers and developers um, but i'm but i'm thinking you're probably asking more about young young scientists who are starting to come up through the system and um so i would say for some if you're doing a student try to get a try to get a if you're in grad school try to get a project uh working in ccs and um get some funding in that way and get a get your supervisor to to move into ccs and do things like that so i think i think again we're seeing this you know in australia there was a strong element of, of CCS in this, you know, among the students and the universities, and I think we see that increasingly here in the United States as well.
0: That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you both uh, so much for being here today. It was really great listening to your conversation, and I, I really appreciate the time uh, that both of you gave to share your knowledge and your background with our audience.
2: Oh, it's great. Um, thank you very much for having me and listening to me uh, ramble on. Appreciate <laughs> it.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the Midwest Regional Carbon Initiative, which is a structured five-year program funded by the U.S. Department of Energy. It is co-led by Battelle and the Illinois State Geological Survey. The initiative works to connect science, technology, and research to advance CCUS acceptance and deployment in 20 states across the Midwest,
1: Mid-Atlantic, and New England regions of the United States.